Welcome to podcast. Are you good today? How did you speak? I'm in Portland. Everyone. Good job. What are you going to talk about this week? Um, violin, everyone. Hey everybody, welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Schrader, I'm in Portland, Oregon, uh, just outside Beaverton, Oregon. Rainy day, there's your weather update. Um, otherwise, you know, it's a great weekend. It's a, Every day is a good day to be alive, so we're happy to be here. Uh, Mike Samuelson is in Minneapolis. Weather update, it's, uh, it's quite nice. It's quite nice here. I went um, cross-country skiing for the first time in about 27 years yesterday, give or take. And uh, man, let me tell you, I was a lot worse than I thought it would be, but still had a great time. <laughs> did you, like, was it? Uh, were we talking traditional cross country skiing, or did we do a little skate skiing? We did a little, a little skate skiing. Emphasis on a little, because your boy was not moving very fast. <laughs> um, your boy's wife was great, though. She was really, she was really killing it. Uh, your boy's balance is tough these days. Very tough. <laughs> uh, my both my hips are sore from falling a lot on myself. <laughs> Uh, it's just I still had a great time. It's just rollerblading on skis. It's the it, same. It feels like it should be a lot easier, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason, it's not quite. It's not. But that you ties just... in because our ski instructor was like, you guys have such great weather. It's like 20 degrees, no wind. And Anna and I just looked at each other and we're like, only in Minnesota would people be like 20 degrees. Great, great weather. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Do you get to practice your different, uh, like, polling rhythms that's my favorite part of the skate ski dan he could barely stand dan he could barely stand do you think he was like push come on dan we're we're not quite there i was doing one kind of polling i was doing the the three one is what what it called you you do two pulls on one foot and then no pulls on the other and then two pulls on so i love it see Uh, so so you know that was a struggle that was a struggle it fell over a lot (laughs) um a lot of times where my feet where this is going to be tough for the listeners. I'm doing a, a visual, but my feet yeah. got crossed, which is oh, yeah. not, you're, you're so not, fucked. <laughs> how, not what you want to do. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you it's trip on yourself just running? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, first of all, you know I don't run. Uh, so this was probably the most athletic endeavor I've done in, you know, the better part of a year. Uh, uh, I'm, just, I'm just picturing you walking and tripping over your own feet. <laughs> They just get crossed. They just get crossed sometimes. Yeah. Or it's no, just, what would happen is you're just wearing I was, big flip flops. That's all. Yeah. Like you no, know, I just, how to, I just I'm just picturing Mike like, uh, it's like when you watch someone walk or, or walk around like a pool deck in flippers. Like, well, the the problem was I was trying to glide too long on each of the things, and my weight was was off, so I was kind of tipping, and then as I was tipping, put the foot over. Yeah. That's what that pole is for. Get that yeah. pole out there. Yeah. It, look. Guys, it was bad. All right, it's gonna get better. Oh, I, I still had you a great time. Should have brought us with you. We would have definitely given you some tips while you were falling over. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's exactly what I need. Is three drunk people sitting in a snowbank just yelling at me. <laughs> this is like the old old Muppets from the, yeah, the from Muppet, the balcony. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, see you next week on the Beginner Skate Skiing Thread Podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're doing a we're doing a classic lesson in a couple weeks. Uh, so I think, I think we'll see how that goes, but that's, skate that's, was, was fun. That's a little skate easier. Is so much more. Yeah. Fun. Skate's yeah. a lot more fun. Classic. Yeah. When, not so much. When we told the instructor that we'd never skied before, she was like, okay, jump it in the deep end. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun, but okay. I've got a, I've got another story. Um, really, really, we've got a light pod. So actually this is good that I love it. Story. So Should we, um, can I, can we come back to you? Can I introduce the other two? I guess fine. <laughs> all right. Colin as, is in the swamp. As Lil Wayne once said, "Me, me, it's all about me." <laughs> I, I just don't even want to take any more of Mike's time. You know, yeah. I think I don't know what the next story story is going to be about. Maybe curling. Um, the gentleman yields his time. Then yield yeah, the time. <laughs> I yield. I yield the floor. 
That's amazing. Uh, that's Ryan Palmer in Portland. Yeah, I'll yield my. I'll yield the floor. I do have one thing to say. I was texting with a listener that uh, emailed actually Scott uh, Scott A. Um, he is a couple pods behind listening to rules. Um, mentioned that if we ever need, if we're gonna uh, talk all about hockey rules and try to bring it into soccer, we have to um, use him as a as a uh, reference. So he's our reference. We we should be our we should consult him um, if we want to add some more hockey rules into into soccer. So uh, it just brings me joy that people actually listen to us and then text and and have their own thoughts and stuff. It's just great. So shouts to Scott and all the listeners. For real. For real. Okay, Mike, we're back to you. Okay. Thanks, guys. And a good good job by Dan from wrangling this away for me. I just too much power. I want everybody to know who who's here on the pod. You know, get those intros in early and then we can we can diverge wherever we need to. Freeform. Okay. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, or maybe longer, I don't know. What is what is time now? Colin was talking about ordering Chinese food and getting, you know, many, many fortune cookies. How many did you get, Boo? Five, seven, 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 seven. Nice. Great number. That actually dovetails very well with my story. <laughs> uh, so in the Twin Cities, there's something happening called Biz Zingo. Palmer, this is a portmanteau, which is two words combined into a single word. <laughs> so you have biz, which stands for business, and ingo, which is comes from bingo, which is a game, which I'm not going to explain. People can Google it if they want. Wait, what did you call this? <laughs> what did you call this? A portmanteau? Yeah. Oh, I, Portmanteau. I have no Google idea. That. Just just Google that later, Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what this is is a bunch of businesses are doing this thing where if you go and get takeout, they give you bingo cards or bizingo cards. And then at the end of the week, uh, there's like an online bingo game and everyone plays. And if you win, you get uh you know, gift cards or whatever from those restaurants. So it's kind this of a, is a way lovely. For, this is a great idea. I love it's a, this. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. So it's a nice way to support businesses, kind of bring people together in a socially distant way. Apparently it's been going on for a long time. Um, the wife and I just played for the first time this weekend. But where this comes into play is we ordered Friday night from a, a like Mediterranean kind of pita place. And I'll just, I'll just tell you our order. And then you all can guess how many Bazingo cards we received. <laughs> so we got the pita meal for four. Okay. Okay. There's just two of us, but pita meal for four. Then we got a little bit of extra chicken shawarma because the pita meal uh, only comes with falafel. Doesn't come with chicken shawarma, so we need some chicken shawarma. Then we got an extra packet of 10 pitas. <laughs> how many Bazingo cards did we receive? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that a uh, a pita meal for four is definitely a bazinga card or bazingo bazingo bazingo. It's gotta be four. I have a question. I have a question. Is a, is it a single bazingo card per person? Like that's the idea, or is it like per fan, like per reasonable single order? I yeah, imagine. I think I think everyone plays by their own rules. I don't okay. Think I like imagine. To this. I imagine this is similar to like the McMinimins passport thing. So like, if you order this thing, right. you're gonna get a stamp. So I would say if any order of like a pita I meal see. for four is a bazingo card or a stamp, I would. I'm gonna say that you got. I'm gonna say that you got four, because uh, five an order of five pitas is a bazinga. Bazingo, so you you got two of those, right? So you got ten pitas. We got we got a pita meal, which is like pita and a bunch of stuff to put in the pita, and then we right. got a separate pack of just extra pitas of ten. But it right? was a, a single ten pita pack. It was not two times five. Collins, Collins losing his shit over here. <laughs> this is such terrible podcasting. Seven, seven. You got seven bazingos. Yes, correct. Thanks. Seven. Collins was actually listening. We got seven bazingo cards. I was very proud. I felt a real kinship with Colin. There you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, did you we, win bingo? No. Did you didn't. win bazingo? There was like 800 people on on the bazingo card, so we did not win. But you know, we were we were one away so many times, guys. I just like how yep. you started off an order for two people with a dinner for four people. I mean, 
we'll, you know, I don't think we're going to get too political on this podcast, despite the events of this week. But I feel like that is a very true American move. And, you know, I believe in you for, for doing that, for being like, look, you don't know me. Don't tell me how much food is when, for me. When order, I'll, I'll have double. When Anna ordered that, I said, Anna, this is not who we are. Okay. <laughs> all this extra food. This is not the real. I, it might be. I feel like you are supporters of um, local restaurants. And so. Yeah. No, it, just, it, it, it I think it was. Here's a way try- to give you money. You may have tried to blame it on Antifa, but it was you. It was, <laughs> it was you who ordered that. It was absolutely us who ordered that. And that is exactly who we are. Yep. So, you know. Sometimes you just got to raise your hand. Um, One more thing on this is that the people who were organizing Bazingo, who are just like huge bingo fans who wanted to do this to like support restaurants. Great. Yeah. But then they were talking about how they would basically like go to bars and restaurants like around the region to play bingo in the in the pre-COVID times, which I just thought was was a wild thing to do to be like, I'm going to I'm going to drive like 40 minutes to play bingo. Because I just love bingo so much, but that is, apparently that is a subculture that exists. That's quintessentially Midwestern. Yeah, I there's like say. there's hot dish at those bingo halls. They, I mean, that is a Midwestern thing. Yeah. Do I, they like rate the bingo game at each place? Like, I, I mean, the bingo game itself has to be the same, right? So it's purely like atmosphere. The, yeah, the yeah, caller, the caller. The caller you know, yeah. what what's the pool tabs situation? <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it, anyway, I'm I'm learning a lot here. I'm doing like an uh, anthropology study. How I played a bing- can of hams. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. Land of sky blue, sky blue waters, baby. Uh, <laughs> I played bingo at a fair maybe two years ago and didn't realize there are special like bingo marker that's things. That's a dabber. A dabber. Yep. That. Yep. yep. We 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 played once with my mother in law and. Man, she's getting as competitive as one can get with bingo. Just anytime there was Very. a bingo, a bingo call, she would be really pissed off and would be like accusing the other person check of it. cheating. Somehow. Check it, love it. Check like, the card. Could... Check the card. She's tough to play against, but you want her on your squad. You know, she's yeah. that player, yeah. right? It's a, a great person to have at the table. Yeah, great person to have. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, we got any other life updates we need to cover? All right, I've got a categories because, as Mike mentioned, a little light this week. Not a lot going on except for the overthrow of the free world. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to... Palmer, deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. i got a categories. Uh, we discussed a couple weeks ago that Weston McKinney was the U.S. Soccer Player of the Year for 2020. We felt like that was a good call. Um, your categories <clears throat> is U.S. Male Soccer Players of the Year. They have oh been God. awarded since 1984, uh, and there are lots of multiples. If you name a multiple, you'll you'll clear that player off the board, so you don't get to like name Landon Donovan as many times as Landon Donovan has been the U.S. It? Soccer Player of the Year. What is uh, what does it mean that in this dystopian week, this award was first given in 1984? Think mm, wow, Orwellian. People, a lot of people are using the term Orwellian. I'm just going to throw it around this pod. Yep. yep. I like it. Portmanteau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to go in order that you are on my screen. Um, so Ryan Palmer, you're up first. Oh, thank God. Landon Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Now I have to mark him off all uh, four times. Landon Donovan first in... 2003 last in 2010 uh michael you're up uh christian pulisic pulisic has won it twice 17 and 19 colin clint dempsey dempsey has won it three times uh last time in 2012 2011 and do, 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 2007. Palmer. Oh, God. This is where it's going to get hard. Uh, I'm going to, this is going to be a wild guess, but I'm going to say Tim Howard. Tim Howard, very good guess, has won it twice 2014, shout out World Cup year, and 2008. I love how you're like, this is going to get hard when Dan has literally mentioned Weston McKinney has won the award and none of us have guessed it. <laughs> I didn't think that we could. Could we do that? It's on the board. I'm about to take it. Well, Weston I'm, McKinney. <laughs> I, 
I just took it. It was my turn. Oh, you took it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Shit. Um, uh, Colin. Bazingo. Bazingo. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Davers all over my bingo card right now. Um, ah, there's a bunch that I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm 95% sure, but I don't think I have any that I'm 100% sure on anymore. Um, I'll take Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley has won it only once. 2015, he has been runner-up um, also once, it looks like. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> that's certainly true. Uh, oh, sorry, that's not a runner-up. That's a young player of the year. He was also young player of the year in 2007, uh, not runner-up. I will take, uh, I'll take John Harks. Oh, I like it. Going back. Uh, this is where I have to scan, scan, scan. Bop, 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 bop. No John Harks. What? Uh, surprising. Surprising. Wow. All right, Hashtag well, captain for life. I'll take uh, Claudio Reyna. Claudio Reyna. You had to have won it. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Also, no. What? Oh my God. Wow. This is wow. insane. It's tough. Tough. Take... Colin could win. You both, you, you both went into the Wayback Machine. I'm going to go Paul Caliguri. <laughs> he did. 1986. Had to. Had to. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Josmer? Uh, Josmer Altador? Yeah. Josmer. Uh, two-time winner, 2016, 2013. He loves those unimportant years, those off years. Yeah, I had figured he had <laughs> to have one. Really. Those non-major tournament years, he dominates. Thanks, Josie. And then uh, Tab Ramos. Yeah, Tab Ramos. DeMarcus Ramos Beasley. had one. Um, Did Beasley? Ooh. Beasley had to have Beasley, Beasley like never had one. Yeah. How about Friedel? Uh, Friedel maybe? Yeah, Friedel had to have one. Early 2000s one? Come on. Friedel yeah, had one, but I I surprisingly, Friedel's nemesis, not nemesis, competitor, Keller. Keller. Keller had three. Wow. <laughs> Very fixy. Very Tony fixy. Miola? Um, Miola never had one. Winalda? Ooh, that was going to be one of my guesses for sure. Winalda was going to be a guess. Winalda had one, 96. McBride? Um, Mick. Bride never had one, which seems wild. He should have been 2000. What World Cup was that? 2002? 2002. No, that should have been Reyna. Reyna was on the all all tournament team. I was well, like, was, this is a That lock. was Friedel. This is a so lock, Friedel baby. won it. Yeah. Friedel. What a dick. What a dick. <laughs> um, starting way up at the top, Rick Davis, Perry Vanderbeck. Who knows who that is? Brent Goulet, Goulet, Peter Vermees in 88. Uh, Mike Windishman in 89, Hugo Perez in 91, Balboa, Thomas Dooley, Balboa again, uh, Shut Up Alexi, Kobe Jones, Chris Armis, Ernie Alexi Stewart. Lawless won it and yeah. Harks yeah. or Reyna never won it? What, this is bullshit. What a slap in the face. Also, I'm pretty sure the first like five people you mentioned aren't real people. <laughs> no. Well, they have Wikipedia pages. Those, those were just portmanteaus of other people's names. Portmanteaus. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Where were we? Gooch in 2006. Gooch. Oh, wow. His World Cup was that good, I guess? And that he was, was like that playing was a in ter- Spain? a terrible World Cup terrible for World us. Cup. Yeah, That's we true. We all That's sucked. True. And here's the one that really surprised me because it's recent history and I never would have come up with it. Zach Steffen in 2018. Huh. Yeah. That was a, that was a tough go. year. There yeah. you go. Um, Didn't have much to do that year. The most awarded soccer player, U.S. soccer player of the year is uh, from the women's side. Who has won it the most? Mia Hamm? Mia Hamm. No. Uh, Abby Wambach? Wambach uh, six times, Ham only five. Abby's longevity is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, other things worth mentioning, Felisa Schrader won the 2012 <laughs> Player of the Year with a Disability. Shout out the Schraders, dominating. Um, I think that's all I've got. Sam Mewis this year for the women. Uh, shout out Super Producer Cliff for recently sending me a Sam Mewis card in the mail. <laughs> Love it. Great. Congratulations, great Colin. That was, that up, was up the categories. That was the easiest win uh, anyone will ever have in categories. Really a poor Thank showing. You. Really appreciate you guys. Yep. 
Questions uh, will be we, asked why Reyna was never a player of the year. Oh, saying. yeah, and Lawless got one. Come on. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, Mike, we got an email. Help us out. We got an email. The aforementioned Scott Angove. Uh, he says, I think there's a straightforward way to implement Mike's not a salary cap or luxury taps tax scheme. Uh, we talked about this last week. Uh, I don't really entirely remember it, but it involved <laughs> players not being able to play if their team spend a lot of money on salaries. Anyway, uh, Scott says, hypothetically, if Spurs payroll is 131 million and Everton's payroll is 86 million, then each time the two teams meet, Everton will disqualify $45 million worth of Spurs player for each match. So basically the difference in players. Scott, just a quick aside, in examples, it's usually a lot easier to use like rounded numbers. (laughs) But I, I I respect what you did here. Um... Maybe the two big clubs are discouraged from maybe the big clubs are discouraged from splashing out cash and small clubs are incentivized to spend more. Gamblers would definitely be pissed off. You could call it a tax or a cap. I would call it the fun crusher plan. We need to work on the branding there. Um, what do you guys think about this idea? If if this idea is instituted, the Villa team, the Aston Villa team they just put out in the FA Cup is gonna win everything. Because it's like uh, 11 guys, all of which are kids. They are probably each on like there's the uh, payroll. There is like, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars or something. Right. They're like all Academy players. So the other team, you just get to disqualify every player from the other team. Well, but yeah, it's, it's, to- it's total payroll. I think is, is Scott's idea. Not just like okay, well, then guys just on the pitch. Villa but... Just fire all their guys who cost money. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, they can win the, the title with these these kids like it's it's too it's this fun crusher plan is too crushing if you did it uh with a uh constant divisor in there so like the difference between the clubs is 45 million and you know you get to take that number and then uh divide it by four and then that's what you get to disqualify from the other team's payroll that would make sense but uh as written it makes no sense but uh i'm not i'm not against uh this idea like it's just like like we were talking before uh i think i suggested putting it in some kind of tears fashion last time but uh i like this this way of of taxing the rich i have a question uh so say for the sake of argument messi goes to city just because i think we can agree uh he is you know kind of the best player around uh and aston villa play Manchester City. They've got a hundred million worth of player that they can disqualify. Do you just you you take the best player off the top? You cut <laughs> off the snake head? Or do you say Messi's got to play with eleven Academy kids? I, I mean I think what's, this goes what's back the strategy? To, I think this goes back to what we talked about last year, which is you have a couple players who like don't count against the cap. You just say like all right, your three best players, we want them to play for the good of for the joy of football. We want them to play. So Messi's just in there. You have to cut from, from other people or something like that. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I think okay. I think the biggest issue here is like uh, now you really have to track spending it in, in the game, which nobody really does. And like there'd be all kinds of ways that teams try and get around this. Like, yeah. you know, you you just and, say like, oh, yeah, this guy's on a million dollars a year, but he just coincidentally has a three hundred million dollar deal from our sponsor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, you know. Right. But but there are ways we can get around that. Yeah, yeah. Contracts his, his aren't public. Bonus also, right? Was, uh, was three hundred million. We spread that out over five years. You know, on a payment plan with him. But his salary is one dollar. Yep. Yep. But I mean, love this idea. Palmer notably quiet. This makes no sense to me. So <laughs> do what you want to do here. All right. Uh, another thing from Scott. He says, also, it seems like most clubs operate like there is not a significant return on investment for training their players to be media savvy, if not actually raising expectations for human behavior. <laughs> yes, that is true. Clubs do <laughs> operate that way. Uh, then he says, do you think there are any squads who prioritize ethical behavior as a means to realizing some tangible change in value? He calls out St. Pauli FC in Germany as maybe an example. I mean, like wanting their players to positively affect the world. I mean, there's some club in like the third or fourth division in England that's like a, they're like all vegan and like very environmental and 
Oh, yeah, their whole stadium is vegan, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's like Green Forest. So, I mean, like something like that is maybe the closest I can think of, but it's not directly tied to their players. It's more kind of like that's the brand of the club. But, I mean, we just went through a summer with Landon Donovan's managed team in San Diego, right, that walked off the pitch multiple times because of uh, racist and uh, homophobic slurs, right? So that they're definitely incentivizing their players to do the right thing there. I, I, it's, it's still new, right? I mean, it's still, this is still something that like player power is still, you know, being realized that they can do that. Um, and, and the club can get behind it now too. So um, I think this is a new thing. Do you guys watch Shark Tank? They do this thing where they're always like, you know, they people come on and they pitch and they're like, and for every item we sell, we donate like $1 to the whales. And the, yeah. the sharks are always like, oh man, people love like the, the they can spend money and support a good cause. Yeah. yeah. Like it actually, and that's a pretty new thing, right? Like Tom's does that and Bumba's and whoever else, but uh, Tom's, Bumba's, you owe us a check in the mail. Thank you very yeah. much. Yep. Um, each, so authentic. Each. So authentic. That was authentic. But, <laughs> but um, Heineken, Heineken, Heineken. I mean, you could see clubs. <laughs> you could see clubs like going that way also, right? It's the same kind of idea. Like you can support a team and support a good cause at the same time. Yeah. It's a, the same kind of thought process, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think. Go ahead, Colin. I would say Everton, like I know this is obviously the club I follow most, but they like make a really big deal out of the work that they do in the community um like they will put it on the shirt every once in a while like instead of a sponsor and i I think they try to build their brand at least locally around that um to be like yeah we're a local team and and we do all this local work in the community that you know liverpool fc is probably feel you know uh attracting a different sort of fans or you know trying to reach fans in, in a different way um i think that that's completely different than uh players being media savvy or having it really driven through the players like yeah to me to yeah. players being media savvy like any media training that players are getting from their clubs is like don't be say anything more boring yeah deflect yeah deflect deflect be more boring whereas things like um whether it's everton in the community or it's um uh san diego loyal it, that's more like you know show us who you are and you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think it is uh, a big gap to get to um, super clubs being on that San San Diego loyal level of unity within the club. Um, Not only unity, like amongst the players all being unified enough to walk off the pitch, but also that massive chasm between the players on the field and the ownership. I think, I I think go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say real quick that like we've seen in American sports for as long as I can remember, like NFL partnering with United Way and, you know, NBA cares and all that kind of shit. But that's always for very non-controversial issues. Like there's nobody who says, you know, oh, I, you know, I support breast cancer like NFL. Why are you wearing pink? Like that's terrible. Like that's a cause that everyone can get behind. And I don't think we've really seen any club or like group of players, uh, you know, basically coming out on like political issues that have the potential to be divisive and like have the club support on that. I think that the, yeah, I agree with you, Mike. I think, I also think that a lot of, there's like a fine line between performative and like actually believing in those causes. Right. Um, are you suggesting that the NFL's uh, goodwill gestures are all performative? Yes, <laughs> I am. And I'm also suggesting that, like, uh, you You're know, sorry, the NFL doesn't care about player safety. <laughs> but, like, when the Premier League does uh, the, like, LGBTQIA flag behind uh, their symbol for a month, you know, and, like, but what are you actually doing? What does that actually mean? Um when but, you have when you have players that take a, a knee at the beginning of the game um, and then your fans boo them, what is the response to that uh, other than just, you know, utter disgust? Like, what is what is the club doing? What is uh, uh, what is the league doing? Um, if you actually believe in these causes and you want to put something behind it, then there has to be more than just the performative gestures and, and uh, 
you know, changing your corner flags for a month. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not to say that like putting like these gestures, like doing these performative gestures are meaningless because I think right. they do have meaning, Yeah, but for sure. it's, not, it's not the same thing. And I mean, kind of inspired by this email, I just did a quick look at which U S men's national team players said anything on Twitter about the failed coup. Oh God, and please don't say any, don't tell me that like Jeff Cameron and I, I, I did look at Jeff Cameron. His Twitter is very quiet. So there's nothing good, there. but I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a, a handful of, of guys who did post things. Mark McKenzie probably wrote the most. Josie had something. Bill Hamid wrote a couple things. Um, Paul Ariel had a couple things, but like, None of the the really marquee stars said anything. You know, Pulisic didn't say anything. Wesson didn't say anything. Adams didn't say anything. And, you know, I think it just kind of goes to show, like, I mean, Weston's been very outspoken about his support for Black Lives Matter and what he's had to go through. But, like, I don't know. When when it starts wading into, like, overtly pol- political stuff, I think there's a lot of disincentives for players and clubs to speak out. Mm-hmm. And that's not, like, necessarily a a mark against, you know, those people who didn't say anything. It's just kind of a reality of what's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just, um, it's just a way of saying like, look, when people do speak out, when you have a Colin Kaepernick or the lesser degree, Megan Rapinoe, like yeah. that act, uh, is meaningful, right? It, it, to you, it might just be ever kneeling or annoying or something like that. I don't know who would be, who would be listening to this podcast who finds kneeling annoying, but like, Maybe it's your first time here, um, but uh, you, can, you can see yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you might think, okay, that's just a, you know, a whatever thing. But like, it's actually a, a really big deal. And and I obviously Colin Kaepernick's situation shows you that like, there's no way that guy should uh, have thrown his last pass already. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and and cer- certainly, uh, you know, someone in the prime of their earnings, in the prime of their career. Um, it's a big deal to to risk that over something like that. Agree. All right, Agreed. Scott. Wow, you probably didn't see that coming, did you? But <laughs> there you go. Once Dan makes those know. introductions, there's you know, there's no guarantees what will happen. <laughs> uh, that was the only email this week. Soccerthread at gmail dot com. Uh, you know, you send it in, we'll read it out. That's how it works. Hit us up. <laughs> Mike is having um, a 10 out of 10 podcast today. I just got to say. Mike is not. Is, you know, they, they talk about soccer players like he'll always give you a 7 out of 10. Mike gives us a lot of threes, but this is a 10 out of 10 right now, guys. We just need to get him the ball. Mike is in the zone. The ball. Mike is just I in sell. the zone right now. I He's just <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, as, as they say in, uh, in the British English world, I'm in the mood. It's all that pita <laughs> bread. It's, it's all the pita. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, the U.S. men's national team released a January camp roster. Uh, all these guys are in camp as of this weekend, I believe. Uh, a bit of an interesting roster. The full men's national team called in 12 guys, including two goalkeepers. That leaves a 3-3-4 formation for the rest of the group. Uh, and then uh, the U23s also called in, and this is where the big group is. And it, I guess it looks like... Greg Berhalter is essentially using the U23 camp as a tryout to make it to get bumped up into the full national team camp. Uh, so that's why there's so many spaces left open for the the full roster. Um, Palmer, do you do you like this? A uh, good way to set up some competition and make this maybe a more meaningful January camp, or uh, does it just seem a bit contrived and silly to you? No, I like it. I like a little bit of competition. Um... You got to like, I think, uh, bringing some of these guys in and, and having them earn their spots. And maybe you can get a look and, and have someone lose a spot, essentially, uh, or potentially. Um, I, I don't mind this. I like it. I love, I love some competition, make, some, make, it, make it meaningful in January. We haven't played like a real meaningful game in years. Um, so we have to start training uh, with some meaning. So uh, this, is, this is great. I, I usually don't heap praise upon uh, Burhalter, but I like this. Hey, the last th- like three months, we're our fully team Burhalter. Yeah. 
Oh, um, come on the pod, Greg. Yeah, that I, would be. I, to echo Palmer, like I really like this, and the thing I like about it the most is that there's people in that U23 who, you know, you'd assume need to fight for their position who have caps. It's not just uh, a bunch of guys who don't have who've never played, and it's like who gets this call up, and you know, none of you have anything. You're like, if you don't make it from this U23 into the call up right now, you got to be putting a lot of pressure on yourself, saying, "Oh, are my national team days over?" Right. So yeah, it's a step backwards for some of these guys. It's a big guys, step backwards be. for some yeah. of these guys. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's a wake up call to you that, you know, uh, if you don't make this or, you know, maybe there are guys who are competing for your, you thought like, okay, of my age or whatever, at my position, there were three or four of us. It's like, well, you're the bottom of that and, and you might get cut and you're going to have to fight for every single cap you ever get. Um, I think is a great message to these guys. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's kind of silly semantics, but I mean, for all the reasons that you guys say and the fact that, like, if it was actually just one group of, you know, 35 people or these two kind of separate groups, it doesn't really matter. What matters is who's going to suit up for, you know, the the friendly that they have at the end of camp. Mike, anything about these rosters? I mean, I don't want to it's a total of, you know, whatever, 30 guys, so I'm not going to read all the way through it. But anything about it that sticks out to you, anything you're excited about, uh, either by inclusion or by omission? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, I still really want to see Daryl DK forward for Orlando city. He was called into the December camp, but I think had a little injury. So didn't play in the friendly. So I hope he plays. Um, and then it's two guys for Atlanta, uh, two defenders and they were really bad. The, the team was really bad this year and they let up a lot of goals, but I'm still interested in seeing these two guys, George Bellow, who's a left back, who's 18, uh, who, who basically was their starting left back this year. And then Miles Robinson, who I think is like 23, uh, who's a center back. Um, and I feel like we've got a lot of we've got a lot of center backs who are all kind of average. So I'm hoping that one of them can kind of step up and maybe it can be Robinson. And then we've not really had a left back ever. I don't know. I don't know the last time we had like a really solid left back. Uh, and, you know, Bellow, 18-year-old who's getting play. Maybe he can, he can, you know, start making moves and kind of make that that role his so we can keep Jorginho on the right side. So those are a couple guys. Anything else stick out to anybody here? Um, I think the one thing I emailed about when this came out was the fact that we called in Josie, um, but not uh, the other Toronto FC guys you could have imagined, Michael Bradley and Omar Gonzalez, um, and not, I don't know, anybody else of the Josie, whatever, age group. Um, guys who have over a hundred caps, but like probably are, are past it. Um, and I think that's, again, now that we're all on team Greg for the last three months, I think that's exactly what we wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. We, of those guys, we thought Josie, uh, plays in a position where a position of need, we don't have, um, you know, someone playing at Juventus and also, uh, he probably still has, you know, when healthy has a lot to give, um, whereas the other guys are probably, probably not at the level anymore. Can I ask a question about Sebastian Legette? Is is he like like what is his role? Is he Greg's um he's Kyle Beckerman? Is he like it just seems like uh, He is Greg's uh Jonathan Bornstein. To okay. Me. Yeah. Like guy who he always calls in and you're like, why do you like this guy so much? I mean, I think he's he's all right. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. He's a versatile forward attackers so yeah that's yeah. he's got i think he's a glue guy he must be good yeah. for the locker room and he can play anywhere in the front eight yeah, yeah. So, and, like, exactly and he's he's also looked good in the past at like coming off the bench which i think would be his actual role in a full team yeah, yeah. so I, I could see that being a situation where like let's kind of groove him to be a utility net guy in a tournament where it's nice that you know you got a small roster you don't know how many games you're going to play it's good to have somebody who you can know you can throw in six spots but he's definitely not first choice at anywhere or maybe even second choice if you're at full strength, right? Yeah. So he's like, yeah, very much his utility is being utility. I mean, if we kind of point to like, uh, you know, Jonathan Bornstein or I, I can't remember the other play that was mentioned. Oh, Beckerman. Beckerman. Like these are guys who, who we always felt like maybe they shouldn't be starting. Although I think in hindsight, you know, Beckerman maybe had his, his moments in the 2014 World Cup. But anyway, it does feel like uh legit could maybe be going down that path where 
even when we do have the full team together, it's like, oh, well, Legette just knows the system so well, so we're going to slot him in instead of, you know, whoever. So Giorena. Like, when, when Legette starts over Giorena, we will be scratching our fucking heads. Yeah. And then we, then we throw uh, Greg back into the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> back out, back out. Um, some rumors, I think, about a game later in January. I mean, you would expect that the, the camp would end with some type of game. Um, maybe Serbia, it looks like. I have not really heard anything about this, but, um, you know, you would expect something to come up by the end of the camp so that these guys have something to play for and there are caps on the line. Yep, yep. lots of nods. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We'll, we'll get a team together, a little thread, FC. You know, email us if you want to be part of the team. Uh, you got to have access to COVID tests, but uh, we'll get you on the field. Be good. <laughs> I'll manage uh, through Zoom. I am not COVID tested. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> same here. I'm going to be too busy out on the uh, the trails. I don't think I'm going to be able to socially distance. Bingo. Uh, over in England this week, uh, this weekend, uh, FA Cup, something round, third round, the round where uh, you get fun matchups and you get Spurs playing in eighth division stadiums. God, playing is... in people's backyards. That was amazing. Let's... So amazing. Did, did you see there was like a photo of the, the area around the pitch and it just had uh, different numbers and it was like that's the that's the number of the house behind the pitch. So if you kick the ball over the field or over the fence, you know, like, OK, this is, you know, number 12 Main Street. We have to go knock on the door to be like, hey, get our ball back. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, I, you know, we see this every year you get, uh, Arsenal or Spurs or whoever go into some, but like, it always just makes me wish that you could go to that game. Oh, yeah. Like it'd be so fun to watch, even though it's not Spurs full team for the most part, but like there's some recognizable names out there. Uh, uh it'd be Gareth, so fun to just go. Gareth Bale came on in like the 85th minute or something against Marine up five zero. So there's a notable name for you. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Like, uh, I know we like the U.S. tries to do it in U.S. Open Cup, but we don't have the history. We don't have the depth of the pyramid, all this kind of stuff where we can't we don't pull it off as well. But I mean, it's, it is one of the for me, the most like not the most interesting weekend of soccer necessarily in the uh, the world of soccer that we follow. But it is one of the most romantic weekends for sure, if not the most romantic weekend of, of the whole calendar year. Yeah. And. You get some giant killing. Leeds, Premier League Leeds. What are they in? Some, you know, mid table. Yeah. Uh, beaten by Crowley Town of the fourth tier. 3 0. Not yeah, even battered. close. Not even close. And, and Leeds absolutely played, uh, like, I don't want to say a, a team, but like an A minus team, a B plus team. For, for like your normal rotated team through the holidays kind of team. So, yeah, that's, a, that's not a good result. But they got to stay up. <laughs> They got to worry about staying up. To be out of the cup might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's just excellent. I saw something on Twitter about Crowley Town bringing on a uh, reality star. Oh, yeah. Reality television star to kill off the game in like the 90th minute of 3 0. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know anything about it. Maybe he's like reality television of some soccer thing and not like some yeah. dating show, but. Uh, Still it's a cast of characters. That's yes. all. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Very, very romantic. Um, we blew right past Spurs. Palmer, maybe just give you the opportunity to say I, anything there. It's five zero win against a team that's in the eighth tier. I mean, what do you what do you want? Uh, Burge actually you, texted me at one point. He's like, they they brought on a guy that looks like he gained about about as much weight as I have during quarantine. So, <laughs> uh, I just it's. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly they should have won. They did. Uh, it the the park is really cool. It's literally in people's backyards. Um, cool little story for Marine, and and that's it. Uh, should we should we slander um, Jose and 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 uh, Bielsa here? I mean, Bielsa doing work or not doing the, doing the job, and and Jose second week in a row here. <laughs> Even, He's a genius. Colin, I've said it before. What do you not want? Making, making excuses for Bielsa today. Yeah, yeah, that's that's poor. That's how, that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah. 
Um, Everton over Rotherham, two to one in extra time, uh, making tough work out of it. Uh, Rotherham's a championship club, Colin. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I thought they were League One, but uh, either way, I mean, it's um, when you watch the match, it's like uh, pretty pretty clear that we are like should be beating this team. Um, they we scored really early, and then kind of take a, took our foot off the gas for a long time and let them have the ball a little too much and got scored on, had a goal disallowed from VAR and stuff like that. Ended up scoring pretty easily in, the, in extra time. But uh, the funny part about this is Keevan uh, lost a parlay bet, parlay <laughs> bet uh, by betting on Everton, which I told him, look, if you're betting on Everton, I don't care who we're playing. You have a, you have a gambling problem. You call 188-bet-aware or whatever. Because it was, he took a win at full time, and they only yeah, won exactly. after extra time. Win yeah. in the ninety minutes, yeah. So, just don't bet on uh, Everton. What are you doing? Rather, I'm twenty third in the English Championship. My soccer knowledge is deep. Get at me. <laughs> um, Liverpool four one over a bunch of high schoolers. So I have no idea who they beat. <laughs> they beat Villa. Villa, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. And I, I think I te- tweet or texted you guys the tweet that I saw about this where. Like James Milner started for Liverpool. By the way, Liverpool played like fucking all their best players: Mane, well, but, Salah, whatever. Milner. Yeah. Did did Villa go up or did they just come back from one de- one nil down to to tie one one at, it, at one no, point? No, they made it one one. Yeah. They made it one one. Yeah, they made it one one. Yeah, but I mean, Liverpool, the team of Klopp's uh, uh, fixture congestion, blah 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 blah. Played, Full squad. Played the full squad against a bunch of Villa teenagers. Where the store, the the thing I was referencing that I texted you was like, uh, how old were all these guys when Milner made his Premier League de- debut in 2002? <laughs> and it was like half of them not born. Uh, and then this guy's two weeks old. This guy's three weeks old. And these couple and a couple of them are toddlers or whatever. So like, I mean, it was absolutely no experienced players. Everyone is a teenager or 20 years old or whatever. And uh, they gave, I don't know, Liverpool, one of the best teams in the world, a game. So, good on them. Mm-hmm. So, you're saying that Klopp's complaining may not have been, uh, he didn't believe it through and through, He's really. He's the new Mourinho. <laughs> Who is a bigger fraud, Bielsa or Klopp? <laughs> Klopp, for sure. Bielsa is is the definition of he is who we thought he was. <laughs> uh, Chorley FC is in the sixth tier. This was... The uh, probably the biggest giant killing of the round, uh, Chorley over Derby County 2 0. Uh, Derby also bottomed the championship, but that is four leagues difference between the two. Uh, I yeah. didn't see any of this, but Derby right now lining up Wayne Rooney, who is their interim manager, to become permanent manager. Uh, hilarious result in that sense. I mean, you'd think this is a great year for Derby because, like, Sheffield's doing so bad. They're probably going to take the the title from Derby County of worst Premier League team of all time. But uh, can't catch a break. <laughs> not here. Not here. Uh, there's a joke in here about Chorley playing the role of the guy that knocked Wayne Rooney out in his own kitchen. Uh, <laughs> but I can't, can't remember that guy's name, so... I can I can picture it, but I can't. Yeah, I want to say the video. Bill, I want to say Phil Bardsley. Bardsley. Yeah. Bill Bardsley. Bardsley. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Bardsley. Very nice. There it is. There it is. Um, holy moly, folks! That's the end of the run order. Uh, I guess we could just give some people back some of their time that we've stolen from them over the last. <laughs> like, like the end of a meeting where you're just like, "Great guys, I've given you back five minutes." Uh, there you go. Hope you enjoy. Go get a coffee. <laughs> That's so good. We, we collectively yield our time. Yes. Yes. Thanks, we yield Cliff. the time. Uh, quick facial hair update. Mike is the only one holding it down. He's got the mustache and the beard. Palmer is as clean shaven as he gets, so we're calling that clean shaven. Uh, two out of eight. Colin, I, you, I, you I, won I, with the under. And I Hold almost you. I almost shaved the beard and kept the mustache as a homage to, to Dan slash Zlatan, but... <laughs> Didn't, didn't do it. Thank God you didn't. Always bet the under, folks. Always bet the under. <laughs> it's under betting the under what? is what's in in 2021. Life's baby. too short to bet the under, guys. Yes, exactly. Bet the over. There it is. All but right. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Bye.
Asa bingo. I've been recording. I am now recording. Oh, jeez, I don't have headphones on. You do not have your headphones on. Oh recording. my god! On some damn headphones. Have you ever recorded a podcast? We got a first timer here, folks. <laughs> Woo! What if? Uh, have you guys seen the movie Prestige? The Prestige. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on. No. I'm. It's. I mostly wasn't talking to you, Palmer. I know that's right up your alley. Yeah, but uh basically you know since everyone's seen it uh you know there's like two people who kind of play one person what if that's like colin and we get the non-podcast colin he's just in here today he's like oh fuck po- podcast colin couldn't make it i mean this reminds me of our uh conversation about fabio what's his what's his brother's name rafael da silva and having yeah. a third twin brother <laughs> yeah who's in the wiggle house who's in the wiggle house when you first said the Wiggle House, I thought maybe it was like some kind of new like rap group or something that I just had never heard of. It's, yeah, you know me. I am uh I'm up on my rap game. <laughs> you weren't you weren't so much, but then you had Seba and Seba's up on the rap game too. Yep. Now he's on just it. Yeah. Hanging out the playground being like, Dad, have you heard of the Wiggle Room? <laughs> no. I have now. I have now. He's like, it's on TikTok, Dad. It's on TikTok. <laughs> Oh, I think the Bansons just showed up. 